everyone, it's Philippa Kittipatia here from philippakittipatia.com and in today's podcast I have with me a very special person. Some of you may have heard about him through one of my uh, recent blog posts. Most of you probably don't even know who he is at all. Um, but this special person that I'm going to be interviewing is my dad. And the reason why I'm interviewing him, if you haven't read the, the previous blog post about him, is because he ran a quite successful business and the business was selling dope, selling marijuana. Um, so quite an interesting topic I know and people will be wondering why, that I'm, why I'm interviewing someone that sold dope before. Um, and it's because he's got a really interesting story, he's done it for over 20 years, he's been really successful at it and I just want to pull some stuff out of his brain about how he ran his business and what he did in it uh, so that we can learn um, from what he did in his business and how we can apply that to our own businesses. So, uh, my dad, his name is Shane Weedangi, um, rather than just calling my dad the whole time. Um, so, hi dad. Hi. Hi, everybody. How's it going? There's no one here. <laughs> okay. So we're just me and my dad were just talking before how weird it is to um, for me to interview my dad and and for him to be interviewed. So if you feel any weirdness in this um, podcast, then that's why because it is weird. <laughs> so I'm going to start with my first question, Dad. So. Um, yeah. It's, it'll probably, you know, be the introdu- introduction question anyway. But how did you start selling dope, or how did you start running a business? Um, well, years ago, my friends were doing it, and back then, myself and um, my partner, we were quite. Um, stressed for money so we watched my friends do it and um, it kind of took off from there so we started with a little bit of advice from one of our neighbours who who was doing it at the time and he said no yeah this is what you need to do you need to do this and do that and buy this and then you know, break it down into its little units and then sell it onwards from there. So basically, that's how it all started from out of uh, being uh, stressed out for cash. Yeah. So we'll talk yeah. about we'll talk about the um, the details of like all the units and what you needed to buy and all of that later. Um, but what was what was your vision for your business? Did you just want to start it just to get cash and then stop it when you've got enough cash and then do something else, or was it your yeah, plan to keep going? Yeah, quite, a, quite a few times um, we were only going to do it just to get up, get up enough money, you know, to pay the bills and get shopping and whatnot, and then stop. But somehow. Business took off literally overnight. So mm-hmm. then we decided um, just to carry on going. Yeah. To, to keep going with the business. Yeah. And then I, I just improved on it over the years. 
Yeah. So what was the main reason that you wanted to keep going with it? Uh, to make a better life for, for us and our young family, you know, back at the time, uh, that, that was our main drive was, was for our, I think we had two kids then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, yeah, then another baby came along, so we just carried on um, doing what we did. Yeah. And actually, yeah, got better at it. Mm. And what was what was your long-term vision for it? So what did you want to um, get out of it? We, yeah, we, we wanted to put our kids through school, and we also kind of looked at... Um, buying our own house but because we were unemployed and that, that, that wasn't really I guess a, a viable thing to do because we couldn't account for where the money had come from to okay. um, you know, to buy assets such as houses and um, cars and whatnot. so we just stayed under the radar and um, operated like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so what were um, like some of the things that you did earlier on to set yourself up in your business so that it could keep growing? So how did you keep yourself from not getting caught then for so long? Come 
visit us three three times a year. Once in the beginning of the year, and then they come back in the middle of the year and towards the end. So I knew the routine and they kind of knew mine. So we just kind of played each other off like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's how I stayed under the radar. Well, that, that's one of the things I use uh, to keep myself clear from the from the police. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So uh, how... Over the years, they would say to me, oh, we're, we're coming to your house. So to me, in a way, they were indicating to me that very soon we're going to uh, serve a search warrant. Mm. Yeah. So you, you kind of, I kind of got to read between the lines of what they were saying without saying anything. Yeah. And then I, I, I just say nothing. And then um, just go home and make sure my house was was free of uh, drugs in it. Hmm. Yeah, well, I remember when I didn't go to school one day, I don't know why, and I was on the toilet, and then there was, like, all this banging on the door, <laughs> and it was the police, and so I couldn't finish what I was doing in the toilet because I thought they were just going to smash the windows or something, and by the time I got out there, there was one already trying to jimmy the window open and climb through the window, and he was fat as. Yeah, and so I just let them in and then went next door to Nan's house and waited for them to go. And they were only there, yeah, for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they find anything? They found money. Oh, right. That's all. Yeah. But they put it back. Yeah, I remember that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The thing is that... Um, when they when they found the money and the name explained the money away mm. you know um, but back in those days if, if they would have found just a little bit of drugs in the house and the money they, they would have confiscated the money mm. but because there was nothing to tie the money to they couldn't do anything about it so they just left the money there and um, left again. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they did leave a note to say that they were here. Um, but I just kept my call and just carried on like it was just another day. Hmm. Yeah. To me, there was no point, um, you know, getting all hot and bothered about it because they've already been through the house. They found what they were looking for, but couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, they just left. They just left the money there. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm... I don't know. In some ways, I'm grateful that when they do come and they don't find anything, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that uh, they came and did what they did and and then they go again. Because after a few times, I think you can have them up for um, harassment. They keep coming to your house but never finding anything. Mm. 
So there was always like a constant flow of people knocking on the door, knocking on the window all the time. Um, what did you do to make sure that people knew about you and people were coming to buy from you rather than going down the road or going to someone else's house? waiting <laughs>
you know, you know, because because our house was only small, but um, was small enough for us, well, big enough for us. But when people start coming up the driveway, through the gate, at the front door, at the window, behind the shed, it kind of felt like your house isn't your house anymore. Mm. Yeah. If I when I used to walk up the driveway and if I'd see people waiting, I'd pretend that I didn't live there and that I lived at Nan's house and I didn't know I didn't know who you were yeah, and <laughs> that's not my house. Yeah. I live over here. <laughs> Don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. There were times when I drove up and then just backed out again. Yeah. And then people people followed me on the car everywhere. Like sometimes there were like at least two cars. Yeah. Following me around town, trying to pull me over. Yeah, so there were times when I, I just wanted to have a break from it. Yeah. And so what, what kind of boundaries did you set? Boundaries for... Um, so like when you used to yell at people when they would knock on the door for ages early in the morning? Yeah. Yeah. 
know, because I'm, I'm, I'm left-handed, so I pick up the floor with the left hand and open the window with the left hand. And um, I, I was so pleased with myself that I didn't do that. You know, that, that I had put the foil down. And then, yeah, the cops wanted to see me on a uh, unrelated matter. Mm. Yeah. But there were another couple of times I thought about putting up um, surveillance. But then they, they would have just given the whole show away. Because when the cops come inside and they see this little TV screen with wire, you know, with a couple of wires running through it, yeah. they, they would know that I would know, you know, without saying anything what the camera was there for. So um, I, I decided not to do that. So my boundaries, I didn't really have any. I, I just played it by ear. Mm. I remember one, you wouldn't sell to um, like any high school kids with their uniform on. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, I, 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 didn't, I didn't like it, even though the business that I was doing was illegal. I, I didn't like the idea of, um, of selling, you know, to high school kids. But then, if they didn't get it from me, which, you know, which I was cool about, they were just going to go down the road, you know, a couple of houses down and get it from there. Mm. And probably they, they'd get ripped off by the people down the road. Because of the type of service that you provide for people and the, uh, you know, quantity and, and, and quality, I, I always made sure that they got their money's worth. Even though my profit margin might have been a little bit less than what I, I had hoped for, but I always knew that, you know, within this community, they would always come back to me whether um, my profits were high or not. Mm. And that's what I mean about... Um, you know, it's really the people that, that look after you. Yeah. It's not the money that looks after you, it's the people. And then, uh, I don't know, somehow you gain a lot of respect from from everyone, even with the police. They would... Over the years, they give me warning that they were coming. One day, they said to me, "The only time we would come and bust your house is if somebody complains." You know, so over time, they were feeding me information, but in such a way that they weren't just blatantly telling me things. Mm. Yeah, and and I just listened and. Uh, take everything on board about what they say. Yeah, yeah but with, with the school kids, I, I, I never ever liked them. Sometimes I, I tell them not to come here in a uniform. And then they go away, 
and come back in their um, in their civilian clothes. And, and a couple of times, I didn't notice them. The person that came in the school uniform, who came back in the civilian getup, I, I just didn't recognise them at all. But it wasn't until they left, and then I go, I'm sure that's the kid that wore a school uniform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so many people, you know, come in and out of our house, well, not into the house, but onto the property every day. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about money then. What What would uh, have been your, like, average daily intake? On an average day, it would be up to three and a half thousand dollars. Three and a half thousand dollars? Yeah. It's heaps. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember one time when our mate looked across, you know, the, the flat from us, that other house only 10 feet away. Oh, yeah. We were doing, we were getting a lot of three pounds a week. Oh, far out. I didn't know it was that much. No, that, that, that was only at certain times during the year. It wasn't mm -hmm. like, you know, every day, right through summer, winter, spring, autumn. Yeah. There, there's, certain, there's certain times during the year, especially the summer, when, when there's no, you know, boat around, um, that people would come in. On, on a constant daily basis because yeah. you, you can't get any any dope at all during the summer months from um, from October right through to the end of February would be the would be the time that you would make the most money mm. so yeah my friend and I were going through three pounds a week, and, and an average pound would cost, depending on its grade, anywhere from two and a half to four thousand eight hundred. Yeah. So you had to work out your profit margin, um, depending on you know the, the type of dope that you buy. Mm. So what I what what I worked out is that whether you bought a pound of dope for two and a half or for for four eight, you had to roll the same amount of foils out of that pound um, to keep your business up up and above. Um, borderline. So what what I worked out is that out of a whole pound, right? Yeah. You would roll you would roll three hundred tinfoil. That's three hundred times times twenty dollars, that's six thousand. So so no matter how much you bought your your whole unit for, you had to make sure that you're gonna squeeze six thousand dollars out of the pound. Yeah. So, so at, 
at the better end of the scale, if you're buying a pound for 4,800, right, but you only roll $6,000 worth, then you'd only make a, a margin of, 
to um, to roll their foils. Yeah. So I thought, because some of my mates, they used to roll this tin foil out on the kitchen table. And, and, and they, there'd be at least 40, 40 tin foil all lined up in the row across the kitchen table. And then I was sitting there one day watching them, you know, putting bits of bacon in this tin foil. And I thought to myself, what if the cops came? You know, how are you going to get rid of all that within at least under 30 seconds? So I, I, I come home and think about that all day. And I, I thought about how they took half a day just to roll a pound. Sometimes they might take off for a joint, they might go down the road for a cup of tea somewhere, they might come back, muck around a little bit and then come back to it. But I thought, no, there's got to be a better way than that. And then I had this this piece of, uh, it, it, it was a tray from an old um, Guy Fox tin that I had bought for you guys and, and mm-hmm. I, I picked up this lid. It, it looked like a breakfast tray, and I, I flipped it over, and then I thought to myself, well, ra- rather than roll and put 40 bits of tin foil on the kitchen table, I might as well try and just do it on the small square tray. Yeah, I remember so that. As a, as a breakfast tray. So what I did was, I cut all my tin foil first, but I, I never opened them out and laid them across the table. I just bunched them up into uh, into lots of 10, because out of every 10, it's 200 bucks. So I just sit there in front of the TV with the whole pound sitting next to me and then just rolling it like that watching TV. As I got better at it, it took me, I think maybe, just close to three hours to roll one pound, to roll 300 miles without making a mess, without mucking around. Yeah, I, I, I had it down to a nap. So it, it just came down to a one-man job. Yeah. So I had, you might say, the processing of it down pack and calculating how much money right down to the last dollar that was going to come in and how much money was going to go out to buy the next whole unit and sitting on the profit margin. So within like three days, I may have raised $3,000, right? Yeah. So with a profit of $3,000 over three days, I'd go back and I'd buy another pound. So now I'm rolling two pounds. So that's that's 600 foils by $20. So rather than go off and buy, you know, flash motorbikes, flash cars, like my mates did, I reinvested the money back into the business and it grew from there. And I had people as far as Kawaro coming to our house to school. Yeah, and how about it's colder? It's like 40 minutes, is it? Yeah, colder's about 
hour is about maybe In 30 minutes? 20, oh. yeah, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Hmm. And, and some of them were from, you know, the opposite end of what my friends stand for. Yeah. <laughs> so from the opposite gang? <laughs> or what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to me, to me, no matter what gang you're in, all your money's the same to me. I, I don't care what gang you're from. Yeah. As long as your money's green like everyone else's, yeah. <laughs> some, of, some of my mates didn't like it. They didn't like that I was selling, you know, to another gang. Mm. But, but to me, this is about business. It's not about what colour you wear. The only colour I'm interested in is the colour of your money. Yeah. Not, yeah, not, not that I was money hungry or money driven, but I was driven by the business itself. Mm. I knew that if I could do this, I could probably do anything. Yeah. And the, the feeling you get from it, uh, it's awesome. I, I don't mean from selling drugs, I mean from taking something from your mind and manifesting it in such a way that it works for you. Yeah. So, not, you know, not only in the drug business that you, you can become successful, but I think in any, in any business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it depends how, how much driven you are and how much, I don't know, passion you have Yeah. So what would be um, like your top tips for people in business to be successful in their business for whatever they're doing? My advice would be, if you know your business inside out, that's, that's one good thing. But you, I think you have to constantly think of ways of... Um, streamlining your business so that it's, it's always mm -hmm. flowing. Some, after a while, of, you know, I've been in that business for over 20 years and you become, I guess, prof proficient at it. That if you brought somebody else into the business, you want them to run that business exactly how, how you would want it to go. There's been a couple of times when I've hired, only, only two times, I've hired people to work for me and, um, you know, it, it wasn't successful. Mm -hmm. One of them, one of them, um, I, I brought up, I said, bro, this is how it goes, blah, blah, blah. Have you got that? He goes, yep. So I go away for two hours, I come back, and he's asleep on the couch. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, hey, that's, that's not part of the business plan. You're, you're going you're to get busted and you're going to go to jail. And he didn't like it. But you, you, you can't come here and sleep on the job. You know, and the boss comes back and finds you asleep. That, that's not on. And another time, 
I brought another guy in, and um, I, should, I knew I shouldn't have, but I did, because he was a mate of mine. But, you know, he, he smoked dope like it was going out of fashion. So I, I go there, and then I go, oh, you know, how did it go? He goes, oh, not much today. And I go, eh? Hey. But anyway, over the days, I, I kind of found out that um, he was he was tucking he was tucking the foils to himself. So that that kind of meant well, no, that, that's not the kind of business that I want to do. Even though I was still making money off this guy, but that that's not really business to me. Yeah. I, I want you to sell these units out there, not sell these units to yourself. And you're just smoking them all, and then, you know, you have to pay for it, because now you're going to run yourself broke. And then once you run yourself broke, I know that you're going to start ripping me off. Because you're not getting your money from anywhere else. So, um, I, yeah, I, I let him go, and then... I, I kind of realised that to run a business like this, you've got to run it on your own. Even, even if you're the president of a gang, somewhere along the line, it's going to fall over for, for whatever reason. And there's a hundred reasons why a business will fall over. So to keep your business afloat and going, you've got to check it all the time. It's like having a leaky boat. You know, you've got to check for any holes in, in your boat to make sure that nothing leaks on or nothing gets drained away. Mm. It, it, it's a long, it can be a long and tiring headache, but if you don't keep up the maintenance in your business, then you've got no one else to blame but yourself when it falls over. Yeah. If you have people working for you, and you think they're not up to scratch, you've got to make sure that they are. And if they're not, you have to cut them loose. So in, in, in my business, even though I brought these two people in that were close to me, very close, one was a family member and the other one was a, you know, a really good mate of mine. Um, it just wasn't going to work. So if it's not going to work with your best mate and one of your own relations, then what makes you think it'll work if you hire other people, you know, to do this kind of business? It may be an illegal business, but to me, any business is a business. Mm. But, yeah, you have to run it well and you have to keep a check on things all the time. And when I say keep a check on things, I don't mean like, you know, spying on your workers to see if they're doing their work or to see if they're sitting down. No, it's, it's more than that. If, if you do things like spying on your, your workers because you think they're not performing, then the focus is shifted off into another area of being personal about your workers. 
So if you know you can keep your business smooth and operating and the people that work for you make sure they're happy, I guess. You know, ask them questions every now and then if there's anything they could do to improve their work or to, or to improve the, the overall business. And ask your workers again if, if they're happy, basically. If they're not, then you have to know why. Because they work for you and because your business um, was in their hands as well, as well as yours. Yeah. So some, some all that, up, I think it just comes down to maintenance overall. Maintenance over your business and maintenance over your workers. Mm-hmm. If you do have, if you do have workers. Yeah, and having systems in place. Yeah, always. Um, systems in, in, in this business is making sure that that you're on good terms with the people that that you get your merchandise from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right down to, um, you know how you, how you get a whole bunch of money, you know, you, you straighten it all up, you square it all up, some of the pictures are upside down, so you want to turn everything the same way. Yeah. <laughs> that, that might sound trivial to a lot of people, but when you hand the money over to the person that you're buying the merchandise from, and they go to count it, because you, you'll, you'll see a lot of a lot of um, people that you deal with, they're counting the money and they're turning they're turning almost every other money the right way, yeah. and it takes time. You know, I, I, I just want to give you the money and go. So what I did, I, I made sure that the money was in lots of two hundred dollar lots, and that all the money was turned the right way. So when they counted, um, somehow the money gets counted quicker because they, they didn't have to muck around with it. Mm. They, they didn't say that to me, but I, I just noticed through um, body language with different people that I used to visit to get the merchandise. I, I knew, I don't know, at least 19 or 20 people that I, I could go to, but I, I only always went to a couple. So, yeah, that, I guess that can be a system. Um, uh, making sure that when the tinfoil's cut way beforehand, like, ha- have it on supply, but don't have all your tinfoil that you've cut and prepared sitting in the house. Mm. Take it away from the house until you've got, until you've got your merchandise on, then you've got your tinfoil in, You've got your breakfast tray there. You just get straight into work and keep going until the whole thing stops. If, if I needed to take a break, all I did was tuck the dope back into the bag, you know, take that, that steel tray outside, and, it, you know, it only took me a minute to clean up and go somewhere if I had to, as opposed to my other mates who rolled everything out on the, on the foil. Uh, on the table 
to me it's like showing your cards on the table, but you don't, you, you don't want to show all your cards. So, yeah, that's some of the... Yeah. At least three systems that I had in place. Yeah, cool. And so, at the end then, how did it, um, how did you end up not doing it anymore? What happened there? Well, on the week, you, you might not believe this, but on the week that I finally got caught was the week that I was going to stop, right, right on the day. Mm. The day that I was going to stop was the day that I, I got caught. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I was doing a degree in something else. I, I had finished that paper, and then I was thinking to myself, yay, I don't need to do this business anymore. Now I, I can go to the mm. you know, and, and, and do a legal business. But, um, no, nah, it, it didn't work out that way. My number was up. I went out, I went, I went out, I was only meant to be like two minutes and then come back. Yeah. But, um, no. Two minutes turned into two hours. By the time I was ready to go home, um, I got a phone call from your sister to say that the police were here. So I came back and it was all over. When, when I came home, the police had already gone and they had the dope and the tinfoil. Yeah. So, all, uh, over all my 20 plus years of selling, my own systems that I had put into place on that last mm -hmm. day, I didn't follow through with that system. And, yeah, after 23 or 24 <laughs> odd years of doing this, I let my guard down once, just once, but that was enough to, um, yeah, to end that game. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that was game over. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I never went back to it. Mm. Not because I got caught, because... It was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure God told me to stop ages ago. But I said to myself, no, just one more. Yeah. One more, one more, and then, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, okay, I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly how it turned out. Yeah. So out of all your 20 plus years, if you yeah. could go back and do something differently, what would that be? Um, I'd, I'd still run the business. And I'd still run up the same way that I, I have always done. Not not the dope business, but, but the principles that that you take from that that I'll take from that business and apply the same principles into another business. Mm -hmm. And those principles would be, um, you know, not not overspending things like that, just just being careful with the money, because I've, I've always learned and always known that you got to make money work for you, not you work for money, because yeah. by the time you're, you're ready to enjoy the money, you're quite elderly by, by then, 
which that, mm. that's cool as well. But if, if you work smarter and think smarter and get the money to work for you, rather than you work for money. Yeah. So, yeah, every other day I, I think of the business that I could do, you know, that, that can generate uh, a steady um, income. I'm already working, but the money that I've saved, I want to, I, I want to make more money on top of that. Now and then I bought a lot of tickets and kind of thought, oh, you, know, you never know, you might win a few thousand and then um, you'll be home and host. But buying a lot of isn't, isn't the way to go either. Yeah. So I, I still think about um, businesses that I can do myself. Um, there is one business that, that I did do. It, it did generate money, um, but it's going to take a little bit of work, and that's making uh, these traditional kites that I've been working on for the last year and a half. Mm. Yeah. So in one week, I did a kite workshop, and I made $400. Yeah, cool. It's not a... It's not a lot of money, but, but the good thing about it is that this money was generated out of a thought that I had, that I had seen on the internet. I've seen these mouldy kites. No one showed me how to make them. I, I just studied this picture. And I thought to myself, I can make that. Mm. And so, yeah, and so I had a go at making it. And then... Um, I showed it to my bosses, and they said, yeah, we, we can do something with this. So they funded me to teach these kids how to um, make these kites. And one of the teachers said to me, oh, did your ancestors show you how to make these kites? You know, these multi kites. I said, no, nah, I just saw it on the net. You know, yeah. and everybody laughed. <laughs> they, they thought it was funny. <laughs> they actually thought that, um, you know, being traditional and being a Māori and all that, Māori ancestors had shown you how you make a kite. But, no, it, it came from my own mind, and from my own mind it, it generated money. Yeah, cool. And you still, yeah, get the, you still get the thrill even if you make a little bit of money from your business, don't you? Shows. 
So yeah, I'm in the process of, of doing that and making up um, unit plan studies so that I, I, I can deliver you know, this artwork or this technology in a unit plan educational thing because I know that the teachers will pay me to teach their kids this kind of technology or art until I think of something else that I can do. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. But the whole, you know, the whole thing about, because it's always about money, I guess. But for me, um, when I was, I think, six or seven, my nan at the time, <coughs> she bought me a bank book. I didn't know what a bank book was. But, um, yeah, and every Thursday we used to have banking day at, at the primary school that I went to, and she always gave me 10 cents to um, put into this bank. I didn't know back then what money was. I didn't know what a bank book was. But this routine of um, my nan giving me money every week, 10 cents for my, to put into my bank account, that was sucks. By the time I was about 11 or 12, and I still didn't know about money, you know, the value of it, there was, oh, I don't know, around about $60 in there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, over all those years of, of um, banking 10 cents. But when my nan died, and then I got adopted into this other, this other family, they made me take the money out, which I thought they were giving back to me. But they took the $60 out, and, um, yeah, they, they more or less, they bought things with it, but when I think about it now, that, that money was mine. Mm. You know, they, they had no right to take it out and spend it on whatever they spent it on. But I, I, I think the value of money and anything to do with that would have stemmed from when I first got that bank book. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. Mm. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty good with, um, you know, sitting on money and banking it and, and holding it for as long as I can until I get paid again. Look, um, I'm working now, but the money I've saved would come from the same principles and the same routine from when I was six years old. And then, you know, and then I got into that drug business, used the same routine there. And then now that I'm working and doing other odd workshops on the side, I still keep to the same... Uh, principles and values yeah. about money. Well, well we've um, been talking for a while now. We went like oh. ages, but that's alright. It was good. I learnt, I learnt heaps of things, like new things, and then new like realisations came up for me. So that was good. Mm. 
Um, so we'll wrap it up here. All right. But is there any anything, like any last words that you want to say before we go? Um, yeah. Whatever business that you're in, just make sure that, um, I don't know, you, just make sure you handle your money well. Um, make sure where it goes and, um, you know, any change you get back, even if it's five cents, hold it. Five cents found is five cents earned. There's some kind of thing around there. Mm. Yeah, so just look after your money, look after yourself, your business and your family. Cool. Well, thank you, Dad, for letting me interview you. Okay. It went, it went, it went well, better than I thought it was going to go. Oh, I thought I was going to be crying oh. the whole time, but no, it's all good. No. Um, oh, yeah. Cool. Thank you, Dad. And oh, thank you. Wow, what an interview that was. There's so many lessons in there, as I said before, and so many realizations that I had from just having that interview with my dad and having that chat with him uh, about business that I didn't realize or that I didn't know before. Now, if you got something awesome out of this, if you got an aha or a, oh my gosh, yes, um, out of any part of this interview, then please let us know in the comments below. We'd both love to hear from you. And if you loved this interview, if you liked it, if you thought it was interesting, if you thought it was cool, it'd be so, so awesome if you would share it around with your friends, with your business uh, acquaintances, your business mates, whoever you want to share it with. Uh, would both love that as well. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you around all around the interwebs. Bye bye.